Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis. Today, we're doing things a little bit differently. We're not talking about angels and spirituality. Instead, we're talking about the body. Now, we've talked about vibration before and how there's a vibration to the body. There's a vibration to the soul on the other side. And we're We've really spent most of our time in this podcast talking about how to get into that vibration of the soul, but we haven't spent that much time talking about the body and it's not going to take up the majority of podcast episodes here on Angels and Awakening, right? But what spirit wants you to know is that there is a way to maximize the energy, the vitality of the body and create this deeper connection to the other side, to high vibration, to the now, to presence through being in tune with your body, being aligned with the energy of your body, understanding what environmental factors, what food factors impact your body, how they impact your body, and really utilizing the foods that you feel best with. Now, this is not an area of my life that I'll say that I have accelerated in. In fact, you've heard me say it before. I am definitely a food addict. If you gave me any addiction on this earth um, to say that I'm addicted to, it would most certainly be food. Now, I don't want this podcast to become something where we're talking a lot about weight or food or any of that because that's really not my forte. That's not my focus. But food is a part of life. We have to eat three times a day, if not more. And so it will come up from time to time. And I thought, what better time of year to talk about food than summertime? So I had recorded this podcast with Cynthia, I think back at the end of March or early April, I don't know, sometime this spring. And I kind of held off on it because I didn't know how much I wanted to explore and open up to you. What I've decided is that it's not about food. It's not about weight loss. It's not about a number on the scale or about being a certain size, right? Because I haven't gotten to where I am by focusing on any of those things. I've gotten to where I am just by loving myself. So am I 100% where I want to be? No. I don't mind getting very real with you and sharing that I am about five foot seven and I weigh about 180 pounds. I am not going to sit here and preach to you. That is never what I'm here to do. But You know, I've been around since 1982. That's when I was born. I just told you my two biggest secrets, right? Women are never supposed to tell their age or what they weigh. So voila, there you go. You know everything about me. I was born in 1982 and I watched all of the women, not my mom, but, you know, society and magazines, my teachers, everybody around me kind of worry about their weight, their size. And I've seen what society makes it out to be. We all have, and it's just such a toxic thing, right? So two years ago, I made the decision that I was done 
with ruling myself with all of these rules. You have to eat this. You have to eat that. You have to work out this many hours a day. I would write out these lists and put them up for myself so that I would see it every day in the bathroom mirror. And it was really hurtful and damaging to me. It wasn't something where I was being kind to myself. Basically, what I was telling myself was, you're not good enough. You have to be this size or this much on the scale in order to be wonderful, in order to be fully Julie, right? It's not true. So two years ago, I threw all of that crap out. I worked through all of the mess going through that since 1982 because I used to tell people, and it's true, I have thought about food and basically my unhealthy relationship to food since third grade. I can remember looking in the mirror and thinking in third grade, I don't look like the other girls. Like I don't have their skinny little body like they do. And so I really spent my time working through all of the past, all of this buildup of memories and junk and societal standards that I had just accumulated in my energy and my energy field. And instead, I said, I'm not doing this crap to myself anymore. I can't live this way anymore. I just want to love everything. I see everything as oneness. We're all one. And I realized when I went through my spiritual awakening, I'm not bad if I'm not a certain size. I'm not bad if I don't have, you know, um, a certain number pop up on the scale. I'm still lovable who I am as myself. So as I started to love myself, the number on the scale just continued to drop and drop and drop. And I lost 20 pounds last year and I'm still working on it. You know, I I am a work in progress, but it was really fun to talk to Cynthia on the podcast today because she has got so much insight into where health and nutrition is today, why some of us are reaching plateaus where we're not losing. And so it was just a fun conversation that I hope that you enjoy. When we get to the end of the podcast, I'm going to edit it out if I can, but I was talking about, you know, Is the idea of loving yourself more something that you'd be interested in taking a course on? Because what I was thinking about is on Facebook, and I was calling it Podbean for some reason at the end of the podcast. So if you hear me say Podbean, I'm really talking about Facebook in this episode. Would you be interested in a Facebook group, a Facebook course that you could pay $99 for, you know, um, three weeks to take? And we just go through this summer and focus on working through some of that old energy that we've built up since we were little girls, shedding that and just focusing on loving ourselves more. This isn't a weight loss group. We're not talking about health or fitness. 
I'm not an expert in that. But what I can help you with is how to love yourself more. So if this is something that you'd be interested in, because we really do have to do our work to shed those old layers, to shed the past, to release that energy from our auric field. And if that is something that you're interested in, please email me and I will get back to you with more details. So you can email me at my name, Julie Jancis, J-A-N-C-I-U-S at gmail.com. There's no periods or anything in between there. It's just my name, Julie Jancis at gmail. And uh, if you're interested, we can kind of put that together and I will get you more information. So without further ado, here is my interview with health expert, hormone expert, two million views she has on her two TED Talks on um, YouTube. Incredible. She's just an amazing, amazing woman. Here is my interview with her. Welcome back to Angels and Awakening. This is Julie Jancis. I am here today with Cynthia Thurlow. Thank you so much, Cynthia, for being with us today. Um, Cynthia is just a master guru on women's health and hormones, all of the stuff that we go through. And I just want to um, welcome you to the show and thank you so much for being on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. I was really excited when you reached out to me. Yeah. So Cynthia had a session with me a while back and that's how we met Mm -hmm. through some mutual friends. Um, But uh, you've been doing some TED Talks. I have. It's been a really cool experience. I had two in four months and um, you know, my, my, my kids think a TED Talk is a really easy thing to get. And I had to explain, explain to them. I'm like, it was just purely coincidental that I got two very close together uh, but they think it's like you just show up. And I, oh. I was trying to say, it's not that easy. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, a really cool experience. And as an introvert, I can tell you it was my 2018 goal to uh, do something that made me grow a lot. Uh, and I found scary. I think you should make your goals big and scary. And so the thought of an introvert committing 12 to 17 minutes of dialogue uh, to memory and doing it in front of a big audience was. Uh, seeming it seemed like a her, like a Herculean amount of effort, um, but it actually was a really incredible experience. So definitely, That's highly recommend it. That's amazing. So you and I were talking about something where I know I've talked with other women in my life about this, but I've got people in their 80s who say this, in their 70s, 60s, 50s. But everybody always says, when I look in the mirror, mm-hmm. I don't feel my age. I feel like I'm looking at that 18 year old girl that, you know, I just feel like that 18 year old inside. Mm -hmm. As we age, our consciousness doesn't age, Mm -hmm. but you are really mastering all of this. And I'd love for you to share your knowledge with our listeners. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. So for full disclosure, I'm 47. Um, I'm not the least bit ashamed to say that. Uh, but I feel like I'm 30 on the inside. And I think for many, many, many years, um, not that I took my health for granted, certainly as a nurse practitioner, I've taken care of some really, really sick people, young and older and everything in between. Uh, but my own health journey uh, this year, I, I came back from a vacation with my husband. 
a wonderful vacation, which I didn't really get to process because it was the first time I had been able to go away with him on business ever. We've been together for 17 years, first time ever. And I was so excited because we went a place I had never been uh, and came back and within 48 hours, I was admitted to the hospital. So, um, you know, the, the humbling the humbling realization that even as a healthy person, you can get sick um, and then be very, very sick, sick to the point where there was a, a period when I was in the hospital, where I thought I might die, which um, all I could focus on were my children and saying, you know, I'm too young for this. I need to be around for them. You know, this is not a possibility. I mean, when they couldn't quite figure out what was going on. Um, and then certainly, you know, coming out on the other side after 13 days of being hospitalized and now kind of mentally preparing myself for surgery tomorrow, um, there are lots of lessons to be learned. Um, lots of things to keep in mind. Uh, you know, that I wasn't a grateful individual, but um, in times of stress, you really see um, what people are made of, you know, not just your family members, but your friends who kind of, I mean, are there seamlessly, um, effortlessly, you know, the, the friend that um, you, you always were fond of, but calls you every day and says, I'm going to the grocery store, what can I get you? The friend who's bringing meals to your family, even before you're home, you know, the spouse who every day came to the hospital, this almost makes me tear up. Um, the only thing that made me feel like a human every day was to shower, even though I was so sick. And so, you know, I had all these IVs and all these drains and all these things. And so my husband would let me sit in the shower and he'd wrap my abdomen because I had this big drain. Um, and he would bathe me every day. And, you know, my mom would joke afterwards and say, I'm sure he loved that. Um, but, you know, just the love that he had, that he would stop everything, you know, with the kids, would get them on the bus, would come over and bathe me, go home and work. Um, if he didn't need to be at the hospital, but really just seeing what people are made of and how loved you are, you know, for all of us, we, we, we assume that we're loved, we hope we're loved. Um, but the validation, you know, that was one of the things that kind of carried me through, um, was knowing how loved I was, not that I ever doubted it before, but, um, just feeling so much love. I mean, how many people stopped what they were doing? My, I have a cousin who is doing a Senate campaign in New Jersey and she stopped her campaign to come down. She's also a physician because she wanted to be there. My mom was with us for a month, <laughs> completely reorganized my entire house because she needed a project every day when I wasn't home. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just the, the whole journey of it all is really profoundly humbling. And then, um, you know, to be well enough a month later to be able to do a TED Talk was pretty incredible. I mean, I don't think I realized it enough at the time. I think that um, I'm just so feisty by nature. I'm just a mm -hmm. fighter. That's part of who I am. And that was part of my recovery was coming home for my family, but also saying, I still want to be ready to do TED. And even the organizers couldn't really believe it when I was there. They kept saying, you really were that sick? Like you look fine. <laughs> I said, well, um, I, I, you know, I just had a drain pulled four days before, you know, I got on the stage and I just said it was part of my recovery. It was part of me, what I mentally needed to do. I needed to focus on something other than me. I'm not a poor me kind of person. Totally. Um, and I recognize that, um, you know, everyone has their, their bandwidth, the things they can deal with. But I was like, I needed to focus on something positive and not be focused on the poor me nonsense that, you know, I think I could have let myself do, but I just, I wanted to be an example to my family, to my kids, especially that, you know, you can have adversity and come back from it. Um, and you can be okay. Yeah. You can be totally okay. 
Well, I'm just so proud of you. You, you are just such a fighter and you've got so much determination and so much strength. You're just amazing. If you don't follow her online, you should be. She's incredible. And all of your inspirational messages that you share with everybody. Um, Is your latest TED talk up? Because I couldn't find that. Yeah, it'll be up probably beginning of May. It usually takes about a month because what happens is Ted has to review every single one, make sure that you're not saying or doing something inappropriate. Okay. Um, Yeah, so it should be up the beginning of May and that's on intermittent fasting, which is like, to me, it's something, not that I, I believe it's a religion, but it's a philosophy I ascribe to that I believe fervently in. And a lot of people are um, ascribing to this philosophy. Now, for those who don't know who are listening right now, what is intermittent fasting and how does it play into our hormones as women? Because that is really your specialty. Yeah. So I would say intermittent fasting is fasting during a prescribed time period. So you just pick a window um, in which you have a feeding window during the day and you either exist in a fed or a fasted state. It's that simple. And what I like about it, um, in, a, in a sea of potions and pills and powders, it is something that is free, flexible, and simple. And I think that's really important. We've gotten so far away from um, really doing things that are simple. Uh, I think we make nutrition and eating uh, so complicated. So for women, it, you know, one of the, the huge benefits, oftentimes the reason women will try doing it is because we know it can be a powerful um, impetus for fat loss, uh, and obviously that's that's a big thing, um, especially as women are getting older and they're 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 gaining weight. And I, I don't know many women who enjoy gaining weight. That's usually not um, not what anyone wants to be dealing with. But it also taps into a scientific principle called autophagy, and autophagy is kind of like a spring cleaning for the cells. Um, but it's a way of the body getting rid of de- debris or or disease cells, um, even cells that can be precancerous. So a pretty important um, concept and one that is only enacted when we're in a fasted state. So the more you fast, the longer you fast, the more autophagy you'll tap into. But it also lowers our insulin levels. Insulin is... I got to go back to that for a second. Yeah. You can keep going. But um, sorry to interrupt. No, it's fine. I read this story um, and I really, like I have my settings on my iPhone for my new stuff. It's all science, consciousness, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. But one popped up uh, maybe six months ago where they said they did a study. They tested people who were sick, made mm-hmm. them do like, and this is like colds and mm-hmm. stuff, right? Um not any major sickness, but just your minor cold. Mm -hmm. They did a three-day fast with these folks, completely rebooted their entire immune system. Is this what you're talking about too? So the longer that you're fast, you're rebooting a lot of your internal systems. Yes. And so, you know, so intermittent fasting and the way that I, I generally present it is it's you fast for 16 hours a day, but you can do longer fasts. Like I do one 24 hour fast a month, um, I, I always say that, you know, you can do a two, three, four day fast. There are some people that do five day fast. I don't necessarily ascribe to that. I think that's hard for people to live their lives. Um, but yes, generally speaking, if you keep yourself really well hydrated, you know, coffee, tea, um, water, you can drink plenty of, but when you're in a truly fasted state, uh, you do tap into more of that. And, 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 you know, you hear the old saying of starve a cold. Um, that's really because it bumps up immunity. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, I kind of touch on, but getting back to some of the benefits, um, one of the other things that happens is it lowers your insulin levels. And we know insulin is 
um, primarily a fat storage hormone. And so it's one of those things, you know, it helps kind of scavenge out blood sugar, but can be some, it can be problematic if people are eating too much, eating too frequently. So with lowered insulin levels, you have better um, cognitive functioning. So people will say, I'm so mentally clear when I'm fasting. Um, I mean, that's a huge attribute. Um, you know, things like stimulation of growth hormone. I mean, how many of us want, I mean, that gives us more lean muscle mass. We know it risk, reduces your risk of um, cancer and Alzheimer's disease. So there's lots and lots of benefits. Um, improves those biophysical markers for anyone that's borderline high blood pressure, has cholesterol issues or dealing with blood sugar instability um, can really be hugely impactful. And again, I keep going back to the same thing. It's not a pill. It's not a, it's not a potion. It's something that you have control over. Mm-hmm. I think that you know one of the things that we as healthcare providers, we've gotten very fixated on, you know, you have a symptom, you get a pill. Well, this is something you can, if you train your patient or your client in these techniques, it's something they can have control over. And how cool is that? Right, right. So how do you train your folks in this? What do you recommend? Yeah, so it has to be the right person. A lot of the women I see have some blood sugar issues. You know, they're sugar burners, they're hungry every you know hour or two, they eat really frequently. So first we have to make sure that they've got their blood sugar stable so that they're ready to How kind do of tap. How do you do that? Yeah. So, <laughs> so if that's I, me. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So, and, and that's what we've conditioned people to believe that you need to have five or six mini meals a day. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That doesn't give digestion a break. It impacts your blood sugar in a negative way. It's harder to lose weight. Um, so what, we t- what I typically do is that it's protein and a healthy fat every meal or snack until we get your blood sugar stable. And then we move on to the technique of opening up this fasting window, starting with 12 hours, increasing by an hour until we get to 16 hours. And for some people that may take a whole month to get to 16 hours or 18 hours. Um, For some reason, 16 hours appears to be the right interval for most women. They then don't overeat on that first meal, um, which can be a huge problem if Someone says to me, well, I broke my fast at 18 hours. I ate a huge meal and then I wasn't hungry for a second meal. And I said, okay, we're not trying to have you fast for 24 hours. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to do a smaller meal at that first meal um, and kind of go from there. But yeah, the sugar burner issue is a huge problem because we've- So you have women who who just start out with um, fat and protein, Mm -hmm. nothing else. You're really just focusing on the fat and the protein. And we're not telling anybody to start any of this. If you want to go see Cynthia, get a a plan in place. But I just wanted to make sure that that was right. Well, I guess, you know, one of the things, you know, when we talk about putting macronutrients, so protein, fat, and carbohydrates, the two most important thing for- important things for women when they're putting meals together is getting your lean protein, getting that healthy fat, and then thinking about a carbohydrate. But I'm not talking about just any carbohydrate. I'm talking about um, you know, things like squash and sweet potato and potatoes and root vegetables and you know, green leafy vegetables and low glycemic berries. I'm not talking about bread and pasta. And that's where we get kind of messed up is we we focus on the boss pasta and bread and then you know the, the protein and the healthy fats are a much smaller component. So one way that you'll know you're not putting the right combination of foods together is if you get really sleepy after you eat a meal. Mm-hmm. You should never be sleepy after you eat a meal. You should be energized after you eat a meal. Um, and that's when I'll say, you know, let's re-engineer. You might have had too much carbs. That's why I always say focus on protein and healthy fats and then add the carbohydrate. Carbohydrates, we need them. I am not a believer in women doing long-term ketogenic diets. I know that's really hot, hot and popular or a hardcore carnivore diet. Right. Um, so I think that I, I believe fervently that we as women need um, carbohydrates. It's just the quality of carbs, the quantity of carbs are absolutely crucial. 
that's something women forget about. So this isn't a topic that I really opened up to yet on the podcast, but, you know, I've been in this, um, our entire lives are this unfolding process of us going through our lessons. And one of the things that I've been working through is um, my relationship with food, because Mm -hmm. it's something that has um, gone up and down over the years. And I'll talk about it a little bit more later, but I I really want to be mindful of Cynthia's time to because she's got a limited amount of time. But I'm wondering, um, as I've gone through this process of just trying everything, the hardest part for me in my life right now is when I'm on track, when I'm doing my best, my frustration is I'm spending two hours prepping on what I'm going to get for the grocery store. Then I'm spending two hours um, running around to the three different grocery stores I have to go to to make sure that everybody in the household gets the specific items that they want for the week. Mm -hmm. And I got to come home, unpack all of this stuff, and then prep all of it in the fridge. Um, I even went out and bought all of those prepping containers last year. I've got like probably 50 of them sitting in the mm-hmm. And I, I beat myself up for not doing it, but I get frustrated with the process. What is the fastest route? What, are there any shortcuts? Yes, I believe in keeping it simple. Um, you know, in, in our household, I'm married to an engineer who's a finance guy. So you can imagine he's very like meticulous And so um, since we now both work from home, we believe in the concept of divide and conquer. We all eat food. Therefore, we all, you know, we all have to contribute something to what we're doing. But he has actually taken over food prep. So we talk as a family about what we want to do for the week. And then my husband actually will cook all the proteins. He enjoys that. He loves that. That's awesome. Um, I used to do it all and I completely understand what you're saying. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. So I like to keep it simple. We always have um, kind of similar things. Like we always have chicken that's been put in the slow cooker or the Instapot. So there's always a meal with a couple pounds. And let me be clear, I have an 11-year-old and 13-year-old boys. <laughs> they eat like locusts. So we have to have, it's a huge volume of food at one point. Again, why my husband has taken over. Because to me, it was like cooking five or six pounds of ground beef or ground turkey at one time was just blowing my mind. I just couldn't, I couldn't process how much food we were cooking all at once. So we always have, um, we always have chicken that usually it's, it's either thighs or breast that we will shred. It's been done in some kind of, whether it's, a, we always do some, it, it, whether it's barbecue or it's um, salsa verde, but something that my, my old, my younger son and my husband can put hot sauce on something that my older son and I don't have to put hot sauce on. Mm-hmm. Um, we always have like, pork chops or, um, you know, we'll have, maybe it's been salmon steaks or, um, shrimp. I mean, there's always a couple protein options. So we will cook all of those. And then oftentimes we will steam vegetables at night. Um, we don't, we don't grill a lot in the non summery months, but during the summer months, we'll just have lots of grilled asparagus. This week we did grilled asparagus. We did Brussels sprouts. We did broccoli so that everyone has stuff that they can just go to. And we have those Pyrex containers, so we pull things out. My kids literally eat leftovers for lunch and dinner. Um, That's what they pack for their lunches. And so I just found, I try to keep it simple. And by keeping it simple, it means um, I don't do elaborate recipes anymore unless we're having like a special dinner. It's just too much. It's too much... (laughs) Too much energetic capacity. That's good to know because a lot of times I think we're looking at people who are um, 
explaining this mm-hmm. on the internet thinking, here we go again. I'm going to yeah. game up to get into yeah. this because I've tried it 20 times before. And, you know, and that has been the best thing that's been working for me over the last year since I haven't been putting as much mental effort mm-hmm. into it is I, I go to Aldi first and then I'll go okay. to Whole Foods and then I'll go to Jewel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just try and shop in the outer rims, get Smart. what we need to get. And then wash the fruits and vegetables when mm-hmm. I get home. Because yep. if I'm putting together the elaborate stuff, that's the time suck that I just don't yeah, have, the have room for. for. Yeah. Right. And sometimes there's no shame. I mean, sometimes it drives my husband crazy because it's five times as expensive. Sometimes I buy the zoodles, you know, yeah. you know, zucchini noodles. Sometimes I will buy, I mean, now I just buy frozen cauliflower rice and I will microwave that. And I know a microwave is not ideal, but there are I always say there, there are things in every household. My husband is like fervently holding onto this microwave with like his skin of his teeth. And I'm like, it's, we're getting rid of it in 2019. Um, but there's always like lots of great options with frozen organic vegetables and fruit that you can have at the ready that you can quickly, you know, microwave or steam. Um, those are huge time savers. So we don't make our meals complicated. So let me be very upfront about that. I mean, we're a very active household. Both my kids are athletes. Normally, I'm super athletic and on the go, and so is my husband. So it's always about protein and vegetables, and then we add everything else in. Like we go through tons of avocados in our house. I'm dairy free, but my um, older son can do sheep's milk cheese, so he does that. And my my um, younger son and my husband do any kind of cheese. Doesn't matter what kind of cheese it is, um, but just adding in those healthy fats so they're getting enough um, to for at least meal dinner number one. My kids also do dinner number two, which still is astounding. Um, but yeah, keeping it simple. I mean, I'm not someone that does Instagram worthy meals like every day. And so I think part of the, um, fear that everyone has is they feel like they have to prepare this absolutely scrumptious looking meal all the time. Mm -hmm. I wish I had taken a picture of what my lunch was. It was cauliflower rice that I had sauteed with like garlic and onion and some coconut oil. And then I had ground Turkey that I, that had been pre-cooked that had shiitake mushrooms and onions in it. I took half an avocado, threw that on top. Um, and that was my lunch. And I ate that in between all the other stuff. And it doesn't look all that like super cool, but it's delicious. And it hit all the points. I had my vegetable, I had my protein, I had my healthy fat. I feel full. I'm satiated. I'm happy. I had a little bit of dark chocolate. There's a great brand. I'm not affiliated with them. It's called who H U and who has dairy free chocolate so that I can eat it's dark chocolate. Um, but that's my treat. And I have a little piece every single day, like a bar will last me like over a week. Um, Yeah. So the point being like, I think we overcomplicate things and maybe the thing to do is just to, um, and it's hard when you're going to multiple grocery stores, I kind of have had to stop doing that because it was making me a little bit nutty, Mm -hmm. uh, admittedly. And so we'll do one Costco run a month. We'll do, um, you know, we have like moms, which is like a nicer, they have more like organic options, but our regular grocery store, the whole foods or Wegmans, they have so many organic options that we try to kind of go through there. Or if you have a second refrigerator, if you can buy in bulk, you know, buying meat mm-hmm. in bulk, if you eat meat, that really helps as well. I'm yeah. hoping that helped you, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's no pressure of realizing we don't have to have Instagram worthy right. meals every single time right. we cook. And that, you know, a lot of times I literally will have a deconstructed, whatever it's like veggie protein and I'll throw avocado on the top. I don't necessarily eat that every day, but just gives you an example. I mean, I'm not eating 
something that's, you know, taking me hours to prepare. I just don't have time to do it. Yeah. No, I think that that's so good to know because sometimes it's just changing our perspective of things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one thing that Spirit's bringing to mind is, you know, a lot of my listeners, a lot of the people in my community are really big on the vegan lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. I really believe that each person has their own journey. I don't tell anybody that you should go this way or you should Mm -hmm. go this way. Um, actually look more to Donna Eden in Mm -hmm. her energy methodology for that because each person's body needs different things. And what we're Mm -hmm. talking about here is optimizing the vibration, the health of the body. So for those who are vegan, um, any tips for them on how to really get enough of that protein source? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's always challenging with vegans and, and there's no judgment on my part. I agree with you. It's bioindividuality, what works for your body. Um, I happen to have a couple of reformed vegans in my, in my practice. They're good. The dogs, um, a couple of reformed <laughs> vegans in my practice and they just like to bark at everything. And so I think it's really, it can be challenging trying to get enough protein in and not going overboard with carbohydrates. So I always encourage, I'm like, you know, if they're having a salad using hemp hearts, which are a complete plant-based protein, um, if they're doing rice and beans, sometimes that can be more complicated because they actually have to eat quite a bit of rice and beans to get enough of those complementary proteins. Sometimes it's easier if they do a little bit of dairy. I do have um, a couple of friends who are vegan who do dairy on occasion um, or will do butter. And so I would say if they if they do butter or you know ghee is clarified butter, you know those are good options to get those good healthy fats in. Um, but just variety. I think that's what I stress with the vegan clients is just making sure they are not eating. They're not food monogamous, you know, unlike in other areas of our lives where we need to be monogamous, food monogamy is not a good thing. Our body needs variety. Well, and and yeah, no, keep going. Yeah. So just ensuring that, sorry, um, just ensuring that, um, you're getting different, you know, all the colors of the rainbow. I always say highly pigmented fruits and vegetables. And actually my rule of thumb is three vegetables for one fruit. And most Americans do the opposite. They do mm-hmm. all the fruit and then maybe they'll do corn or carrots. I'm like, that doesn't really count. Those are more yeah. starchy veggies. I really want you to eat a, a good, a good vegetable as opposed to just the corn and the carrots. Right. Um, Right. So when we talk about optimizing the vibration of the body, what comes to mind is that when you're eating the foods that are that mix well, or like, how does it work? So we have chemical releases in our body, right? And we're not, we're not eating the foods that are helping us. What's happening chemically in the body. And when we do eat the foods that are best serving us, what's happening chemically in the body then? Well, what I would say is obviously we're all bio-individuals, but the rule of thumb I usually say is that if you have plenty of energy and you're sleeping well, and you're not having digestive issues, which means you have a bowel movement every day, you're not having loose stools, you're not having reflux, um, you're not having palpitations, you know, your skin is clear, you're not having breakouts, your periods are reasonable. And by reasonable, I mean, you're not feeling like you have had a, um, a crime scene in the bathroom. Um, so what I would say is that when you are following along with what your body needs, um, you are providing the nutrients. So you're, not only can your body take in the food, it can break it down and it can take the nutrients out of it and use it for energy and sleep. So thinking about you know, just the, the base biochemical processes that occur in the body, you're talking about, can you make healthy neurotransmitters? 
Um, are you able to make the hormones that your body needs to make? Um, are you able to assimilate and utilize all of these macronutrients to your body's advantage? So when people don't do those things, when someone is either restricting in their diet and their body really needs it, so food cravings are always a huge sign that some need is not being met. Mm -hmm. And so I will oftentimes say, if you've got profound, could be any kind of craving, maybe you're craving protein, maybe you're craving water, maybe you're craving sugar, your body is telling you it's not getting something that it needs. I'll give you an example. When I was in the hospital first week, I couldn't drink anything. And by I couldn't drink anything, I would get like one or two ice chips at a time. And so what did I think about excessively was water. In fact, I thought about a waterfall. That's all I thought about was I'm going to get in a waterfall and I'm just going to drink until I can't drink anymore. And then the following week, I wasn't quite as thirsty. And so I dreamed about hamburgers. I don't know why, like a juicy burger, I dreamed of protein. And that's all I thought about because I was getting nutrition through an IV. So I couldn't eat anything. Um, and that is carried over for the last couple of weeks is that I just can't get enough protein into my body. Um, so part of listening to your body is acknowledging that sometimes cravings are telling you there are things you're not getting. So I think it's just that intuitive nature of um, food and being you know, mindful. I think so many of us, we don't really think about food. We just eat it. Mm -hmm. uh, and just examine, how does this food make me feel? Um, you know, it's kind of like putting a square a square peg into a round hole, um, you know, as we develop food intolerances, people keep forcing the issue. Well, I've always been able to eat X and all of a sudden I can't eat X because I get skin breakout, I get diarrhea, I, I get reflux, um, I can't sleep, um, I get a hot flash, whatever it is, your body's trying to tell you it can't handle whatever it is that you're ingesting. So that mindfulness piece, I know this is something that you probably ascribe to that philosophy, just being mindful of how you feel when you eat. Like I know for myself, um, I'm very attuned to how my body feels. And I'll give you a good example. I mean, I ate mm, probably an hour and a half ago and I have tons of energy. Uh, and so I know that I put the right combination of foods together for my body at that time, listening to what I needed to have um, and being open to it. And I'm just curious, you know, do you feel similarly about your own nutrition? Well, I feel like... Um... No, I feel like it's something that I'm still in the muck of the lesson and still learning. I've tried a lot of things. I actually um, lost 20 pounds last year. By awesome. I, I just decided I'm on this journey. I know I'm going to get my way through it. I know that there's a lot of lessons for me here. And I don't know how comfortable I am with saying that it's like a public mm -hmm. journey, right? right. Um, but it's just something that's always been there that I've always struggled with. And no, like I'm still kind of in the middle of it. But what I decided last year is I'm not doing it anymore where I'm going to get really hard on myself. I used mm -hmm. to be like, okay, for the next two days, I'm just going to eat this and this and that's it. And um, it was always tough love, tough love, tough mm -hmm. love with myself. And, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, I said, I'm not, I'm not doing that crap anymore. I'm not putting myself in that position. Spirit said, there's nothing good that comes out of us strong holding ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. There's only positives that could come out of love. So I've really learned how to be patient with myself, mm -hmm. how to really love my body. I really love going into the gym. I'm not a person who can get on the treadmill and be like, yay, running for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> but I can get in with weights and work mm -hmm. out with weights for an hour and be, leave being like, 
yeah, my legs are sore and it's going to be hard to get down those steps at lifetime, but I feel so amazing. That's great. And it's, yeah. I mean, so much of it's fine. Like what you like, what you enjoy, that inner dialogue is so important. And, you know, so many of the lessons that we learn about our bodies and food, we learned in childhood. And so um, I always jokingly say, you know, my parents did a lot of things wrong. One of the things they did right, and I tell them when I can, when I remember to say it, was that um, my brother and I both grew up having a very positive sense of self and our relationship with food, for which I am grateful. There are plenty of other things I've had to work on, but that was not one of my issues. <laughs> um, so my mindset about food has always been food is fuel, but I recognize that is not necessarily something that a lot of people ascribe to. You know, we we look to food for so many different reasons. And, um, you know, even finding, you know, for example, finding an exercise regimen that you love, like it sounds like you love doing weights mm -hmm. and actually, you know, women, we need to do more strength training. We need to do less cardio, like the cardio Queens who come to me and they're like, cannot figure out why they're struggling to lose weight in their forties. And I'm like, you need to stop running five miles a day, six days a week. You need to start lifting a couple mm -hmm. days a week. You would get more benefit from that than this, you know, chronic, cardio stuff that, you know, I mean, I don't know anyone who just loves cardio. I don't, I'll be no. honest. <laughs> no, I don't. the I weights and yoga, those are yeah. my two go-tos. That's great. Yeah. And that's all yeah. about finding things that you enjoy. I mean, mm -hmm. it's so important because then, then when you go to lift, you're not going to look at it as being time that you're not enjoying an activity, or if you're doing your yoga class, which is good for, you know, mind body, you mm -hmm. can look at it and say, this is an investment in myself. And that's part of a lot of the work that I do with women is, is self-care is not selfish. It's necessary. Mm -hmm. It's vital. The only way that you can take care of others is if you're taking care of you. And you can ask my husband, he thinks it's funny, but he was like, I had no idea how much pampering you did. And that, so that's what he thinks of it as. And I said, if I do acupuncture or if I do bar, or if I do um, a solid core class, or if I go to lift, which I haven't been cleared to do yet, um, those kinds of things are, that's not, that's not pampering. That's right you know, me investing in me because then I can invest in my relationships and my clients um, and not just be a, you know, a shriveled up kind of cranky shrew. Uh, totally. And I know that you've done a lot of research on the brain and the, just these different chemicals in the body, mm -hmm. but I'm so fascinated as I'm talking with all of these different wonderful experts mm -hmm. and learning how there's different amounts of dopamine and serotonin mm -hmm. release within the mind and how when you do things that you love, because this is one of the first things that Spirit started talking about with my clients mm -hmm. um, through me is you have to make a joy list, sit yeah. down and make a list of the things that make you joyful, um, little things that you can do that are free, medium-sized things, big things. Mm -hmm. And we all have different amounts of chemicals that are released mm -hmm. throughout the day. So yeah. I would love to tell all my clients that for the rest of your life, everything's just going to be easy and it's all average chemical release within your brain, but that's never going to happen for anybody. No. It's, it's highs and lows. You know, right. it might be light highs and lows, but you're still going to have those dips. Yeah. And when you have those dips, it's going to your joy list mm -hmm. and figuring out the things that you can do. And, and spirit also says, develop your spirit team here. We have spirit teams on the other side, but mm -hmm. what does your team look like here? Is it your yoga teacher? Is it a meditation practice? Is it, you know, um, Cynthia, you know, mm -hmm. and just nutrition and really yeah. getting on track. But, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that, I think that's so important, you know, and, and those, those neurotransmitters, those hormones, they're pulsed throughout the day. And you're right, depending on our stress, our environment, our food, um, it impacts all of them. And dopamine and serotonin in particular, I think are really, really interesting because serotonin feeds into melatonin, which feeds into our sleep cycle. Um, and melatonin and serotonin have this kind of inverse relationship. It's absolutely fascinating to me, but I agree that you know, the people that make you, you know, there's a quote that my VA made for me, you know, get closer to people to make you feel like sunshine. Mm. And so the older I get, the wiser I get, that's really what I should say. The wiser I get, the more I try to spend time with those kinds of people that just make me feel good. And it's not that they're kissing my butt or they're giving me compliments. It's just the people like when I'm with them, I can totally be myself. I don't feel have to feel guarded. I don't feel like I have to put on airs, um, nor do I have the capacity for that. That just doesn't interest me um, at this point in my life. Or um, I don't have to impress them. I can just me be me. Um, I think that's really, really vital. So I think you know your point about ensuring you've got that kind of team. You know those people that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know I find that my relationships with women are even more important now than they ever were. I think there were many years where my kids were little. And I couldn't even have a cohesive conversation with a family member or any of my girlfriends. And now that my boys are 11 and 13 and they need a little less hands-on stuff, they still need me, but in a different capacity, um, those relationships have started to have a resurgence. I'm actually taking a trip to Sri Lanka in January with a really dear friend of mine. She's a clinical psychologist. And I said, I'd never been to Asia. And if I wait for my husband to take me, because he's gone so many times, he could care less. If I wait for him to take me, it's going to be forever. So we're going to go. And so we've got this whole trip plan we're really excited about. So, you know, doing things that bring you joy, like you said, that joy list. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, You know, and I'm wondering too, if you could kind of talk to us a little bit about um, how does your menstrual cycle, because I come from a family, some lineage of more the PMDD Mm -hmm. cycle. And Mm -hmm. I know that that's not your forte, Mm -hmm. but working with the egoic mind, working Mm -hmm. from the intuition and really being mindful of my energetic state, my Mm -hmm. thoughts, my emotions is really so much easier to do sometimes, you know, rather than when you're on your cycle. So how does that tie into everything? Yeah. So, you know, when we're talking about a menstrual cycle and I'm laughing because my dogs are barking at this dog that's walking down the street that they know and they're friends with. I'm like knuckleheads. So I apologize if anyone's hearing the dogs. Um, So we recognize the first half of the menstrual cycle is the, it's when estrogen predominates up until the, you know, then we head into the second half of the menstrual cycle where progesterone predominates. And we believe that it's these imbalances between estrogen and progesterone that can you know, create these significant, you know, premenstrual syndromes. Um, I don't think anyone is without any premenstrual type syndromes. I know it's certainly better uh, when I went off the pill, but, you know, kind of modern medicine's way of dealing with it is to put everyone on the pill, synthetic hormones all the way. But, you know, there's so much that's, that impacts our hormones in ways that we're not even aware of. And so um, it goes back to basics, you know, how is your sleep? What's your nutrition like? Because a lot of women will crave exactly the foods that exacerbate their symptoms. You know, they're craving really salty, really sugary foods, oftentimes that can derail, you know, the neurotransmitter, serotonin in particular, that can exacerbate those symptoms. And so really dialing in the nutrition piece, the self-care piece. Um, I just find that when we 
when we really focus on a nutrient dense diet, you know, again, going back to protein and fat and then adding in those healthy carbs and limiting processed foods can make a huge difference in PMDD. And then for women that are transitioning to perimenopause ish years, late thirties, early forties, when their periods start to get wonky again, because their progesterone starts to drop and they become relatively estrogen dominant and their periods get very, very heavy, you know, finding ways to kind of re-engineer that as well. So it's always a delicate, delicate balance. We know that, um, you know, our, our hormones pulse throughout the day. That's kind of how they work. Um, but just being sensitive to the fact that people that are more prone to PMDD, really tailoring in on the diet piece is huge. I have one woman in particular who worked with me, but pretty significant PMDD. She didn't want to go on medication. Um, we really worked on that nutrient dense diet. Again, protein, fats, um, limiting, you know, processed carbs, really cutting out the junk, um, getting her to sleep really well. And it was hugely beneficial. And then the other piece is making sure that you're excreting estrogen. So one of the main ways that our body packages estrogen is to make sure we're having a daily bowel movement every day. So if anyone struggles with that and has significant PMS or has PMDD or has estrogen dominance, really making sure that you're able to package up that estrogen. So foods like the cruciferous vegetables, you know, Brussels sprouts, kale, broccoli, cauliflower um, are all hugely beneficial. So just making sure you're having some of those every single day because there's a component in cruciferous vegetables that can help with processing um, that estrogen as well in the liver and so it can be hugely beneficial. I'm hoping that's not too much information for you, but definitely no, letting you know no. there, are ways, there are ways around it without, um, without feeling like you have to resort to medication. Obviously, there are some people that that's what they have to do, but um, I have a couple women that we've been able to, um, and we've been able to kind of fine tune things enough that they felt like they could get along without synthetic hormones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I believe in that. Um, I want people to know where they can find you online. Okay. Where, where do you want to send them to? Yeah. So my website is www.chtwellness.com. I am very active on Instagram and Twitter now and Facebook. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting how social media plays such a huge role in our, our businesses as online uh, entrepreneurs. But I would say that you know, each space has its own unique flair. You see a different side of, of who I am. Um, I seem to spend probably more time on Instagram these days, especially Insta stories, but you can kind of get a snapshot into, into my life. Although it's, it's interesting as, um, as an entrepreneur, you just realize that um, people that are your clients or potential clients like to see a human side of you. They don't want to just see this heavily curated um, perfect Instagram worthy photo, um, you know, goofy. I have a lot of videos on Facebook that are public that people can see, but, um, you know, Twitter's a whole other world. That's been interesting to get to know. I've been in. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't really do Twitter. Uh, I was kind of a voyeur for a few months and then I kind of dipped my toe in the pond and now I've got a very supportive group of friends. And so we, you know, kind of rally behind one another, but that's been an interesting place. I mean, it's, I feel like it's a very male dominated environment, but being a female entrepreneur and having the opportunity to kind of exist in that space and be successful, you know, in terms of content has been interesting, you know, really very different. Interesting. Well, I yeah. can't speak to that. I know nothing about it, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, is there anything else that you want people to know about you? We are getting ready to launch a book this month called Primal Eating, which I'm really excited. I'm, I'm co-authoring that with. Um, a good friend of mine who is um, kind of a male expert in the male sphere and 
you know, we're both in our forties and writing about um, philosophies. We think this is really going to be a cutting edge book talking about ancestral health, talking about ancestral eating, um, how to stay healthy and lean and um, successful throughout your life. So it's really written for people that are 35 and older. And there's a lot of science in the book. We've done a lot of research. Um, it's unlike anything else that, and I probably have read almost everything that's out there. Um, it's unlike anything else that I've really read. And we think that it's it's really going to be pivotal. We're really excited. So that's coming out later this month. First, it's going to be an ebook. Um, and then we'll eventually get it up on Amazon. But yeah, that's that's probably oh, the most exciting thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. You know, and Spirit's saying that a couple of people could be confused about how we talked about all of this. And then I just talked about that <laughs> stuff at the end. But you and I had been talking about it for a while at the beginning. Yes. And so it was just kind of a continuation of, of our um, conversation at the beginning. But thank you so much for, thank you for having me on, on the show. And um, I know you have to run. So if you want, to um, log off. That's completely fine. But okay. but thanks, Cynthia. Thank you. Such a pleasure to see you, Julie. Oh, you too. You too. Um, well, and everybody listening, I want to know from you whether or not this was helpful. I was talking with a friend the other day. I was talking about my health journey and everything that I'm going through um, health-wise and just kind of wondering if it would be something that would be helpful for you all to really get to know and interview some health experts, maybe not on the podcast, but maybe over on Podbean, where we could be a little bit more of a private community about it, but get to understand how we can become healthier and really increase the vibration of our bodies and live the most optimal vibration from the body and the soul. So if that's interesting to you, just get in contact with me, maybe hop on over to Instagram and we can chat more about that. Thank you all so much for being with us today. I love you all. Your angels love you all. And uh, just open your heart to all of the wonderful blessings that they're trying to bring your way. Bye. Like I said at the beginning, friends, I am thinking about starting a course not to talk about food, not to talk about health and wellness and exercise, but to talk about loving yourself more because really we can work through all of this junk in our auric field, all of the pain that we've built up over the years that maybe we've experienced through our family, our friends, or even just society in general, the thoughts that we have in our mind that we really need to correct. So I'm thinking about launching this course that's called Love Yourself More. It would be on Facebook where it would be a private group that you could join. It'd be $99 for three weeks. And I'm just looking for your feedback. Is this something that you'd like to do? Because when we do this work, of learning how to love ourselves more, everything else can fall into place with ease. And it's just about being in alignment with our higher selves. So if you struggle with loving yourself to the fullest degree, or if you just want to learn how to love yourself more and more, 
If you want to work through your past, the pain that you've been through in the past so that you can love yourself, it's not about loving yourself for any particular reason. It's loving yourself just because you're you. You're a piece of God and that makes you worthy in and of itself. If this is something that's interesting to you, please email me. That is how I'm going to be gauging whether or not we're going to start this course. You can email me at Julie Jancis, J-A-N-C-I-U-S at gmail.com. Again, that's my name, Julie Jancis at gmail.com. Let me know if you're into it. If so, I'll send you more information and we'll get the group going in a couple of weeks. Until next time, open up your heart to all of the unexpected, beautiful, wonderful blessings that your angels, guides, and loved ones on the other side are trying to bring into your life. Look around you today, take some deep breaths in, some deep breaths out, and notice all of the signs that are coming to you from spirit. I'd love to work with you one-on-one. If you want to book a session with me, you can do that on my website, www.jancis.com. Thanks so much for listening. Peace, bliss, and many, many blessings to you all. Disclaimer. This podcast provides general information and discussion about energy healing, spiritual topics, and related subjects. The conversations and other content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical, psychological, and or professional advice. If the listener or any other person has a medical concern, he or she should consult with an appropriately licensed physician or other healthcare professional. Never make any medical or health-related decision based in whole or even in part on anything contained in the Angels and Awakening podcast or in any of our linked materials. You should not rely on any information contained in this podcast and related materials in making medical, health-related, or other decisions. You should consult a licensed physician or appropriately credentialed healthcare worker in your community in all matters relating to your health. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Again, angel messages, energy healing, and the information you receive here does not constitute legal, psychological, medical, business, relationship, or financial advice. Do not take any of the advice given in any Angels and Awakening podcasts or sessions in lieu of medical, psychological, legal, financial, or general professional advice. Please note, Angels and Awakening is a podcast produced by Chicago Energy Healing, a company with locations in Wheaton and Naperville, Illinois.